0: Welcome to the Co-workers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney.
1: where every believer is a co-worker in
0: God's mission. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, excited today to be joined by a guest. This is Seba. Seba, I've known for some time. He and his family have been on the field since 2007, uh, serving in a few different capacities, largely among European peoples. And Seba has a a role right now where he is training folks that are trying to reach European peoples. And particularly, we asked them to come on today because of one training that they have developed that deals with identity. Identity specifically for sent out ones, for missionaries, those who are called to work that we do. Uh, This is a huge topic, a topic that we have dealt with ourselves personally, continue to. Actually, I don't think this is something that you just sort of figure out and move on, but uh, that we have seen and walked through a lot of our people, our teammates that have come out as well. So Seba, welcome, man. We're excited to have you with us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me to come talk about this. I'm a a big fan of you guys, and uh, it's just a privilege to be able to share my heart about this subject and also hang out a little bit with you. So
0: yeah, right on, man. Yeah, welcome. Like I said, I think this is just an evergreen topic for missionaries. It's something that comes up over and over again in our hearts. Uh, You're going to dig into it a little bit more specifically, but before we do kind of a broad overview of the training, we'd love to hear from you a little bit more about what's the genesis? Where did this come from? What's the motivation behind you putting this together? Just walk us through a little bit of that. How did it start?
1: Yeah, I like the way that you said that, that it's evergreen, because it is something that I think um, where, you know, our identity and where our value and worth really come from is something that is not something we just take care of once in our life. And then, you know, it just lasts forever, whatever decision we make about that, about something that we have to regularly maintain and work on. Mm-hmm. And it's really basic. I mean, that's part of why it's uh, universal. It's just basic to the gospel. And I remember I was having a conversation with someone and explaining a little bit of this, you know, where do you get your worth and your value come um, from? And which identity do you get it from? And and he just said, hey, man, like if, if missionaries haven't figured that out by the time they get on the field, they probably don't need to be on the field. And uh, mm-hmm. when I I had one of those unfiltered moments where I just looked at him and said, oh, so you've never met a missionary before. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed yeah. and I laughed because I mean we're both right. It is a very basic subject, but at the same time, like it's something we struggle with. Um I don't I don't know any missionaries who don't um struggle with the sense of where their value and worth really come from. Um because I think it's not just uh something missionaries struggle with, but it's a very human um uh, problem. And so yeah, it's 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 worth talking about. And um we in general think that like if you can help someone understand their identity and who they are, and then if you can get them to understand the vision we're working towards and then the culture we want to create as we do that. Um, so your know, identity, vision, culture are kind of like the 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 foundations of our, our training um that they're going to succeed. Like if they know who they are and what they're working towards and the way we're going to honor God and in, in in pursuing that. Um, so it starts with Who are you? And and we start with that one because I think even understanding your own identity, you bring into that a lens, into your vision, into your culture. So we just start with the basics. Who are you? You know, what are you supposed to be doing? And so it's the first thing we do when people come to the field in our experience that we have with them. We bring them in and and have a talk and it's our first day and um, we constantly want to be talking about it. That's good. That's an
0: interesting point that you raised just about dealing with identity first. Identity, vision, and then culture. You know, in most of my experience on the field, I think we've probably led with vision and maybe like addressed culture after that or even strategy after that. And then identity maybe came, you know, a distant third. Was this like a recent discovery for y'all, a recent addition to your training? You identified the need and put it in? You know,
1: just looking around the world right now and You know, especially back in North America, where our people are coming from, it's not hard to see that identity is a very contested issue uh, right now. And I'm not sure if, you know, the church in general has been very muscular about discipling people into their identity and then specifically into a missionary identity. Um, I'm not sure how much people are getting that before they come. And so it's something that we wanted to address because identity is on everybody's mind. Uh, right now. But again, I think it is important to look at the cult. I mean, the vision, absolutely. like We have to pursue this vision, but it's first kind of understanding who you are walking into this vision, um, who God called you to be, because we're all pursuing, in, in essence, everybody who's laboring for the Lord is pursuing, you know, building his kingdom, but we're kind of called to do it in different ways or in different lanes. And so understanding that missionary identity is really important. But, you know, we, we also realize that that missionary identity brings particular tensions with it. And that's kind of where the, the teaching kind of comes in and says, what are some common tensions that people have involving their identity?
0: That's good. That's really good. Yeah, and obviously connected there, right? I think even the clarity around identity, even missionary identity, you're actually from that also making a statement about your vision and then about what the culture is going to be, because that's included in that, Idea of missionary identity is: Hey, what is a missionary, and what does a missionary do? So all just all those things are joined together, right? But a good, I think, it is an evergreen issue in missions, but particularly crucial, I think, because of the reasons that you just stated for our culture these days, and ones that are being sent out from
1: our culture. Yeah, yeah, I think we're gonna keep talking about it, and it's not—it's something that we've started doing with new arrivals, but in reality, we're we're trying to talk about it with everybody on a regular basis, because, again, this isn't just something that uh, this struggle um, sometimes uh, that we have with our identity doesn't just go away. Yeah, that's right.
0: All right, man. Well, here we are, both of us kind of like veterans now on the field, you know, Um, you since 07, me since 05. And I feel like as I was reviewing for kind of reviewing this material for the podcast, just like you said this is stuff that's still speaking to me that's stuff that i still struggle with today so uh, i think a definite relevance for us all of us who are on the field but once you jump in give us a little bit of an overview hit some of the highlights of this identity training for us yeah
1: I, i'll i'll go for it so um normally i do this with a whiteboard and stuff but i think we're going to provide a, a video link too so you can follow along yeah um but just real simply we we bring in people and we talk about how missionaries really share three identities, Um, that every time you're with uh, in a room full of missionaries, you have three identities in common. And the first one is just basic that basically every human shares is that we're God's creation. And so we see that in Genesis one that we're image bearers. And with that comes, you know, our basic human dignity, but it also becomes like the basis of equality, too. And so we just have to remember that we're all, you know, God's creation. Um, But because we're also called to him uh, that we've become God's children. And so we look at Romans eight and we realize that we've been made right by God. But not only have we been made right by God, we've been made family uh, with God. and and not just in a legal way, about that, you know the spirit of adoption, but in a relational way of being able to call him Abba Father. And so those are two identities that we all share as missionaries. and um and then the third identity is this particular missionary identity. And then we usually just go to Acts 13 to kind of see the little window of that calling. Um, and so in Acts 13, two, it talks about the Holy Spirit setting apart Paul and Barnabas for a work. And so we talk about that the at the core of the missionary identity is being set apart for a work, which sometimes we have to unpack that with people. They think that the core of it is being set apart for a particular place or particular people. We remind them that the Holy Spirit said that. He was going to set them apart for work. But we know that that work involves new people and new places. We can look at Romans 15 and see that that you know this work of the core missionary task involves getting to new people and new places. But in essence, we're set apart for this work. So each one of us, we're God's creation. Uh, we are God's child. And then we are God's missionary. And we all share those identities. But then we kind of go to to create this hard separation between the first two and that last one, because, you know, being God's creation and God's child, we call that our foundational identity. And we call it that because it's what our hope, our worth, our value, our righteousness are all built on those things, the fact that, you know, we are now children of God. Um And so it becomes the foundation for all of those things, where our missionary identity isn't the foundation for those things, it's more a functional Identity, So it brings us some distinct rhythms of life that we're called to as missionaries, pretty much embodied by the CMT, the core missionary task. So, you know, we kind of say our our worth, our value, our righteousness comes from foundational identity. Our distinct rhythms come from our functional identity. Now, we get some like also some rhythms from our foundational identity, like every, every human eats, sleeps, plays, works. You know, those are some basic rhythms everybody has. And then we get some, you know, rhythms from being children of God, like we abide, we're in the word, we gather, we worship, we share with others, we make disciples, we obey, those are, you know, universal uh, rhythms for like all children of God. Um, But then, you know, we get these distinct rhythms from being a missionary uh, in that identity, again, centered around the core missionary task of entry, evangelism, discipleship, healthy church formation, leadership development, exit. So, you know, every believer, I think, is called to obey the Lord, to gather with other believers, to represent his name. But not every believer is going to go and appoint elders in an emerging church. Or not every believer is called to exit the work that they're in to get to new people and new places. I mean, those are distinct to this missionary identity. So we start off with that. And and the first tension we kind of bring into it is that... um, Man, if you don't separate those identities properly and realize that it's only your identity in Christ that brings your value, your worth, your righteousness, um, then you're going to be in trouble. um, Because, you know, it's his work on the cross that brings us those things, not our work on the field. But because we're human, we have this very human kind of a tendency to draw value from what we do. Mm -hmm. And that's normal. I mean, so it's just a normal tendency for us to start drawing value and worth from what we do and somehow start thinking, well, maybe my value and worth in the Lord is from what I do. Um, but you just have to draw a hard line there and make sure that, you know, people are are not doing that, that they are, in essence, preaching the gospel to themselves and saying, hey, this is where my worth and value come from. Mm-hmm. So that first tension is just where does my worth and value and righteousness really come from and if you don't get it right then there's a lot of ramifications for that uh i don't think you'll last very long on the field but it's it's bigger than that like it'll follow you everywhere you go if you don't get that right but even on the field it has ramifications like you're not really coachable i think as a missionary if you're um if your value is tied up to your work because when someone comes and starts talking to you about the work and starts coaching you in the work, you think they're talking about your worth and you automatically become much more defensive. But also, once you're starting to draw value from your functional identity, your missionary identity, then you kind of volunteered to get on this roller coaster of results of when things are going really well in the field, you know, my value skyrockets. When things are kind of dry in the field, my value plummets and none of us need that. (laughs) Then I just need to be riding that roller coaster. It's it's just too hard to be on that roller coaster while you're navigating other transitions in your life and culture shock and all the other things that we have to do. Again, the, the biggest reason to make sure you get that straight is because it's the gospel. I mean, it, it is uh, the message that we're sharing with others that your value and your worth is not wrapped up in what you do, but in what Christ did on the cross. We usually camp out there the longest because it's the most um, prevalent one that our people are going through. But also it's it's one that's particularly hard because um, there's certain dynamics about being a missionary that will really mess with that. Kind of like um, like our relationship with uh, our home church. I, I've been back in the states and they call you onto the stage and to talk and share a little bit. And before we even utter a word, uh, people are clapping. And the only reason they're doing that is because of your functional identity as a, a missionary, right? And I remember being in the same church before I was a missionary and, you know, like only a couple of people said hi to me. And, you know, here <laughs> I am being asked on this stage and, and people are are throwing out words like, you know, you're our heroes and servants of the Lord. And we're so proud of you. And and they're attaching a lot of affection and love to that functional identity, which, by the way, I'm not speaking against that. I appreciate that kind of support. But I think you're crazy if that. You don't think that messes with you a little bit, that if you don't start sure. attaching some of your value to that so you have to be very very kind of cautious to say thanks for this affirmation of the work but my worth and value are just built on my identity in christ and Mm -hmm. uh you know i don't say that out loud from the stage that'd be really weird but no you should you should next time you should do that you should just (laughs) say hey stop everybody stop
0: your applause i want to just throw a big wet blanket on what you're doing right now that'd be good yeah exactly
1: my dad always just taught me to say, just say thank you and smile <laughs> and you know process later. You know Sometimes even like our org and other orgs that people work for also complicate this because like when things are going really well in the field, the org will come by and be like, tell us what's going on. Hey, we want to do a feature on you. Here's a video, yeah. here's an article we want to write. And so you get a lot of belly rubs from your org when things are going well. And sometimes yeah. when things aren't going well, you don't hear anything at all. Mm. And so part of our training is to kind of admit that the org can be complicit in this it can mess with your value too and that we have a, a strong commitment to not do that to reach out and affirm yep. uh what we see beyond just like results um it's good and so it's interesting how point. the the difference in the two audiences plays
0: into that right because in the i feel like in the stateside audience oftentimes to the church example you were giving In some cases, it doesn't really matter what your results were. It's almost like they're applauding the fact that you left the U.S., right? Right. And so for that, there's that kind of that dynamic going on. But then internally, as we look at our organization, it is different. It's actually where you are getting plaudits for doing better, right, or doing really well in your work. So just interesting how the differing perspectives of those two audiences, uh, both equally dangerous i think to us spiritually right we're receiving this praise in one sense just for having like left the country and in another sense we are because we're doing well um and so just how those both of those things are dangerous places for our hearts to be
1: and to try to yeah. derive our value from either way right i've never thought of it that way that's a great way to put it that praise is coming just for the existence of the identity with, the, with some of our churches and then praise is coming for proficiency in the identity mm-hmm. sometimes with our org But our value and worth aren't tied to either. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really important to know that. And, you know, I think the the biggest vulnerability we have, again, is this human frailty. um, And the people around us are human, so they complicate it. But this is also the enemy's sweet spot for us. I think he's been working a one-two punch forever since the beginning of time. He's been um, attacking in two ways with idolatry and identity. You know, he constantly tells lies about who God is, which leads to idolatry. And he tells lies about who we are, which leads to this identity confusion. And so this is just a a focused area of attack from the enemy that we have to be conscious of. And um, not think again that, you know, a a decision when I was 15 and was baptized, which is my testimony, took care of that for all time in my life. But I I regularly have to be preaching the gospel to myself. And, um, you know, I've even talked to our research people and said, hey, can we actually count, you know, a gospel share to ourselves every day? And
0: they're
1: like, no. <laughs> but it's Put worth it, it, on it. There,
0: man. Mark yeah, it off, so, for sure.
1: It's so, so worth it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> y- you know, another tension that kind of comes up, though, is the fact that the missionary identity is not the only functional identity that we have. So there are other functional identities that we have that are related to maybe our life dynamics, like, you know, I'm, I'm a dad and a, uh, a husband, or whether you're a single person on the field, or you're a sibling, or, you know, you're the children of adult parents and some who have passed on and some who are still alive, that there are other hats that you wear. There's these different functional identities that also affect your rhythms. And so one of the tensions that we feel, especially with this one is probably a little bit more with newcomers, is like learning to find the balance between your missionary identity and these other identities that you have because of your life dynamics. You know, I, I used to say these things can be live in perfect harmony with one another in peace. And then a veteran uh, missionary kind of called me out on that and said, that's kind of a lie. And he was right. And And we talked about, like, there is a tension between different hats that you wear, th- these different functional identities that you have. But you can either make it a healthy tension or it could be an unhealthy tension. So the unhealthy tension is when you create a situation where there's, um, in order to do one well, you have to fail at the other. That is the unhealthy tension. But a healthy tension can just be, well, what does it mean to be a missionary and also be a mom of littles on the field? And having a unique picture of that and saying, you know, God can use that. And the org, you know, our org should bless that and realize like, hey, that's a needed lane for mm-hmm. this person to run with and that the, the picture of what a missionary life looks like isn't going to be uniform amongst you know different personnel and different That's people good. who have different life dynamics. Mm-hmm. And so just giving up this idea that it's all got to look the same is one way to keep that healthy tension. And then also just making sure we're defining what it means to be a missionary, but also what it means to be a mom, dad, or single person b- through the word of God. And making sure we're not defining that through like some cultural things or through social media or, you know, how you think um, certain parts of that life should be lived out. Like, just for an example, um, I know in my heart, a tug for me about being a dad is like, I want my kids to experience some of the same things I experienced as a kid. And the missionary life has wrecked that because I grew up in South Houston and the UK is nothing like South Houston. So I can't replicate things. Uh, like I did for my kids. Yeah. But having my kids like experiencing everything that I experienced as a, a kid is actually not the biblical definition of good fathering. Um, that's just something right. I brought into it. I, I was just thinking about because it, it was Easter time. If your definition of parenting is making sure you get that family pic in front of the Easter wall, <laughs> there aren't many Easter walls on the field. That you can do that. I was <laughs> no, no. All over social media is like, everybody's family was like in front of mm-hmm. these beautiful flowers. I was like, oh, yeah, they don't do that here. Um, but you got to make sure that that's not your definition of good parenting. Mm-hmm. And then you got to also look at, you know, the missionary life and be like, making sure you're drawing that from scripture and not just a, a glamorized version of, hey, if my life doesn't look like Adoniram Judson, then mm-hmm. I failed as a missionary. Yeah, learning to have those things Pull at each other, but in a healthy way, that because you stay at home with kids who are little yeah. is not automatically mean you're going to fail as a missionary. And because you're trying to be a missionary, it doesn't mean you're going to fail as a dad, that the Lord actually has this vision of being able to combine those functional identities in a unique way to reach people. So, so that's, I think, another tension we deal with. That's so
0: good. I think anybody who's been on the field knows exactly, we've all navigated that tension and we've helped, tried to help other people navigate that tension as well. So, a hearty amen, I think, from anybody who is on the field right now about that. And it is, I mean, it's truly a tension, right? It's not just a, like you said, it's not a simple, oh, well, they can just work together and you can excel at everything. It truly is a tension. It's one of those places. I mean, 1 Corinthians 7 speaks to that, right? There really is, there are costs involved when we get into a relationship that, creates a true tension in our hearts that we shouldn't shy away from. I think oftentimes that tension, one of the effects is that it may bring guilt, it might bring shame. Uh, and that's why I think maybe the key to draw to is, implicit in everything that you're saying, is that we build our expectations on life and our faithfulness in these different functional identities from the scriptures and not from our own cultural assumptions and other things. And you know, you know as well as I do, I think one of the things that one of the blessings that you get from living on the field is being able to look back and start to sift through what do I believe that's more like culturally conditioned and what do I believe because it's really founded on what the word of God says. Right. And to be able to hold the things that come from the word really tightly and the other things to be able to hold a little bit more loosely. And we are just inundated these days because of social media because of the accessibility we're inundated with all of these extra biblical ideas about what faithfulness would look like. And then those become, you know, we hear them and then they become kind of rooted in us. Like, it's interesting. It might be a stage of life thing, stage of kids age thing. That thing that you just said about wanting your kids to have the same experiences you did. You know, I grew up on a cattle ranch five miles outside of a town of 2000 in Northwest Missouri. Couldn't get any more opposite of where we live right now. You know, one of the most densely populated cities on the planet, surrounded by 20,000 of my best neighbors and friends, right? Within just walking distance right here. So to, to think about and deal with those things, to recognize that man, the biblical perspective is that the Lord is our dwelling place, and that there are a few key things the Bible tells us about parenting. And if we're doing those things well, we can trust the Lord to be working in the hearts of our kids, and to recognize, man, they're going to have totally different experiences, but the Lord's going to be their God, and He's going to guide them, and He's yeah. going to work in the same way that He worked in in our childhood, and and also not to even say that my childhood was this. You know, great setting or this ideal that all kids should experience, but to recognize that, man, we just have to be faithful to what the scripture teaches, and try to limit yeah. or hold hold loosely those things that we
1: value for whatever reason, you know, in our own Yes, yeah. you're, you're right. It, it, it turns out that the 70s in South Houston is not the apex <laughs> of all you know, human experience.
0: Hard as that so. is to believe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, just thinking like the, so, defining these things through scripture is key, but also guarding ourselves from comparison. I think this happens, especially on teams. Like, so when you have someone with littles at home who is looking at uh, uh, someone on their team who are empty nesters and kind of comparing, well, what contribution am I making compared to them? I mean, it's just unhealthy. And so you yeah. really have to resist. I think that's something team leaders really need to be conscious of to kind of help people not compare to other team members. And the org has to constantly be saying, hey, we, we know it's different. And we Mm -hmm. affirm it and we need different uh, because lost looks different and Mm -hmm. we're just gonna have to throw the whole kitchen sink at it so but you know the last tension that we talk about is you know like a good trainer let's review so you know first tension is you know the one between our functional and foundational identities making sure that our values from our foundation uh from what christ did on the cross not what we do on the field the the next tension is between our Like coexisting functional identities, making sure that's a healthy tension and not an unhealthy one by letting the scripture um, define those things and not comparing. But lastly, like we've noticed that when we're in the field, there are people around us who have different functional identities than us. So we have this missionary identity, but we are working in fields where people have maybe a pastor identity um, or a teacher identity. And and, you know, I think about in scripture, I love pointing towards Hebrews 13:17. Of what might be in a pastor's mind, where it talks about submitting to you know your leaders as ones who will give account for your soul. So you know here we have these people who are one day going to give an account to God for the people they shepherded, and that's a driving force in them just as much as in uh, Romans 15, uh, Paul talks about his ambition being taking the gospel to new people and new places and where you know Christ is not yet known. And so you, you have these different functional identities that exist on the field and the human tendency. Um, is that when we create partnerships or even friendships, we try to drag people into our identity. That's just pretty natural. So missionaries are constantly trying to make pastors missionaries, and oftentimes pastors are trying to make missionaries pastors. And There's actually a lot of overlap in those identities, a lot, Uh, but they do have some distinctives. And so learning to partner together on the overlap, but keep your distinctive, not losing your missionary identity when you partner with people with different functional identities, is really important because if you don't it's mission drift like you'll you'll end up giving away your distinct identities and distinct rhythms um in order to partner well but you will no longer exist as that you know missionary that god sent to that field for a particular reason um so just again learning to to work in the overlap while keeping your Distinctives is is something that we have to shepherd our, our people through because the natural pool is for you to try to make everybody like you or you to kind of become like yep. them in order to keep peace in a relationship because we don't That's like good. that tension of distinctives sometimes. Um but if That's we good. can see each other as like brought together on purpose by God to work labor together in a field, oh man, then then I think the Lord could do something special. Man. So those are basically the three tensions um that we have based on these three identities that we share.
0: That's so good. I think to that last point about, you know, looking at a identity, the tension between a sent one and a pastor, those who are called in those different realms, man, that's such a key. I think a lot of the controversy even that we deal with uh, has to do with that issue itself. And because not only do we tend to want people to become like our identity, but I think we're tempted to criticize those who don't operate in our identity, right? And so that's where a lot of that animosity comes from. I think this has been a conversation for us the entire time that we've been on the field, is that there's there's people who are gifted, called, I would say, more in that that functional identity of being a pastor shepherd. And mm-hmm. oftentimes they come to the field and maybe see what we're doing, and it just doesn't, doesn't fit, right? It doesn't sit well with what they feel right. like they've been called to. And, and there again, <clears throat> especially if they pastored in the States, they're bringing a lot of things into it. They're bringing a lot of their experience. I would argue they're bringing even in a lot of like extra biblical assumptions about what it might look like on the field. And -hmm. I think those who are called more to the sent out ones, we do some of the same stuff. And so when we, when that confrontation happens, not only is it like, well, you should be doing it this way. We also add on to that and say, well, you're doing it the wrong way because you're doing it that way. And I just think to be able to affirm all the way around, just like you said, how do those and where do they overlap? Because there is tons of overlap. Right. But then also to be able to say these are the places that we are distinct, I think, as we've talked about the core missionary task over the years, maybe the place where the difference is most clear, where it just really comes to light is in the exit piece. We talk about exit to partnership as the last part of the core missionary task. Right. And just that what seems to be from the biblical pattern. A fundamental kind of itinerancy, a fundamental like moving on that that set one has. When the foundation is laid, and even I would argue when we start seeing local leaders step up to, who into those elder type roles, then it is time where they exit the partnership. That's probably the clearest marker functionally of hey, this is how these two differ in terms of actual practice. And I think to be able to to be able to sit on both sides of that calling, and for us to bless each other to appreciate and to bless each other and to say, man, I see and affirm what the Lord is doing in you. We love how we work together and let's bless each other in these things and not not criticize each other for not being
1: who we are. Yeah, and it goes back to our first point about do we start with identity or do you start with vision? Mm. That this is a good example of like your identity is the lens through which you live and interpret the man. vision because so these two identities are looking at the same vision and one saying you got to do it this way and the other saying you got to do it that way. Man. and basically it's just coming from the the functional identity god's placed on their life mm-hmm. and so you know I, even it's funny enough we, we talk about the acts 13 2 picture but in acts 13 1 it identifies two other kind of identities there right it says prophets and teachers mm-hmm. but the holy spirit set paul and part aside from that set them apart from that mm-hmm. to do this work and so there's a real clear you know picture there of like this distinct identity and then You know, it's not only with others who are cross-culturally working, maybe with a different identity, but, you know, just also locals, um, a local pastor and and understanding how does my role as missionary and you as a local pastor work together. I think that the best way to do that is with open Bibles and open minds about like, hey, tell me, tell me about your identity and, Mm -hmm. and tell me what the Lord has called you to do and to be able to affirm that calling in them. But also through open Bibles in front of us share, this is what I feel like God's called us to do. And so how do we make this work together? Yeah. I think this is a, a, I think those conversations don't happen enough. Mm. Because usually, especially partners on the field, in places like Europe, they'll have very strong visions of what uh, a sent out one or a missionary should be. And so if, if you're not using scripture to define the identity of a missionary with them, they will use their past experiences to kind of shape your identity in their mind. And they'll tell you what a missionary does based on the last missionary they liked. That's not necessarily right. We, ha- we have to say, well, this is what scripture says, you know, a sent out one does. And so just having those conversations openly and and with scripture in front of us is really helpful because it might be awkward at first, but I think it's really helpful because it'll save a lot of misunderstandings and awkwardness, and sometimes even, you know, breakdowns later, if we can do that.
0: No doubt. That, again, just such a source of, I think, sometimes anxiety, even tension on the field, is how do we how do we interact with, how do we partner with, how do we present ourselves, and even, you know, join together with local pastors here who maybe have that identity. And then our our identity is coming into that. And like you said, both sides have their own assumptions about what the other side should be doing. And right. probably pointing back to, like, the the one that they like the best as the example of what it should be. Right. Um, I wonder that it's been floating in the background. I feel like of a lot of the discussion about identity, but I wonder maybe just for clarity's sake, how do you, as you're teaching this and coaching others through it, how do you talk about the overlap of calling and functional identity? As those are those basically equivalents? Do you use those as equivalents? Is there a little nuance there? How would you describe the difference between those, if there
1: is one? Yeah, I mean, I think we we don't really get into it because like the the functional identity is the result of the calling, okay. Um, so it's not synonymous. It's just the fruit of like once you're called, you have this functional identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the process of that calling, I think, is varies a lot amongst different people and how they view sure. it and how they experience it. And maybe you know when we're focusing in our training, especially about some commonalities, like these three identities are the same. Three, these three tensions are the same. We're trying to stick a little bit more to some universal experiences the mm, calling yeah. is one of those things where like either people have this you know moment i think where the holy spirit just says you're going to do this uh, i've heard other people describe it as a growing conviction mm. um i've heard other people describe it as like this moment where you say here am i send me after feeling this uh, incredible uh draw from mm-hmm. the need and yeah. from the holy spirit's call So, yeah, we we don't get too much into that because everybody's coming from a different version of calling. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's important. I think one of the things that I think of when I think about a missionary is that they are set apart by the Holy Spirit, affirmed by their church and sent by both. That's my Mm -hmm. base definition of a missionary. And so calling does matter. So good. Yeah, I think
0: one maybe last question. I didn't exactly prepare you for this, but thinking about functional identities and even kind of calling all those mixing together how do you help people navigate when some of those things change? Um, so, you know, you're, like you said, even there's inherent comparison that, that rises up in our hearts because there's a mom at home with three young kids. But then as we, as we know, you know, our kids grow up, they get a little more yeah. independent, right. And then even they leave the home. So how do you, how does that play a part in helping people
1: navigate through their functional identities over time, changing seasons? Yeah. Oh, you bring up a great point. Um, I should have mentioned that. Like, so the foundational identities never change. Mm. They're eternal. I mean, you you are God's creation. You are God's child. The functional identities, I think, change all the time. You, you like you mentioned, there was a time. Well, I, I am a, a dad, but there was a time I wasn't. I am a husband. There was a time I wasn't. And so those kind of change over time. And there were times where I actually was a pastor. I had that identity in the States, and that was what I felt the Lord asked me to do during that season of life. And now I'm a missionary. And so it's for me, it's further evidence about not placing your value and your worth on things that can be transitional. Um, and recognizing that functional identities are transitional in that way. Now, I think there's exceptions. There's people who are going to be pastors their whole life, and like yeah. God's gonna call them to do that. But I think God is also has permission, of course, to give a new functional identity or seasons of life bring new functions into mm-hmm. our life. I mean, change is, is inevitable in that way. And even um, if you share this one calling all your life of being a missionary or being a pastor, it's going to change what it looks like according to the state of the field, the state of the church. I mean, the, the places that you're working in and the times that we live in will will make that expression look different. But yeah, it's fluid compared to our foundational identity, which mm-hmm. is eternal. It never changes and Again, the last big pitch for that's what we build our worth on, our value on, our righteousness on, um, and we can't do it on anything else.
0: Yeah, so good, bro. Such good stuff. Just throughout, I've been noting these little pithy statements that you have, like a true trainer. You've got some really, (laughs) some great nuggets throughout there. I think it was, one of them was our our worth isn't from what we've done on the field, our work on the field, but Christ's work on the cross.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and then drawing out also the enemy. He's, what was it, idolatry and identity? That's right. That's going One, two, through, right? Yeah. The Right? Lo- the lies about who God is leads to idolatry, lies about who we are uh, leads to loss of identity or confusion about identity. Right. That's so good. Man, good stuff, man. Well, we will, we are going to make this available to our listeners. The material, I think, both the training video uh, and the notes from it. I'll have to check with my my tech person, who is my wife, Shani, who's not here right now, but we'll see if those things, those things make it on there. But Sabo, thanks so much, brother. This is such a blessing. I think such a, an important topic for us, um, and, and great resources, I think for both for people, our listeners who are on the field and for folks who are preparing to come. So thanks for your work on it. And then we pray that the Lord just continues to, to enlarge this voice and this truth
1: and to pass it on to his people. Well, thanks for the opportunity to share about it. And thank you for the service that you guys have in your work. And uh, uh, you've influenced so many people that have influenced me. Uh, So thankful for you guys. Yeah, Thanks, man. We appreciate it.